Hi everyone, how are you? Uh, blessed Pascha, blessed uh, Passion, Holy Week to everyone. It's so good to be here in your presence. Uh, I'm humbled and definitely not worthy, but uh, I, feel, uh, uh, I feel the peace of God when I'm here with you guys, and it's such a blessing. And I appreciate the, the invite and just being here to have this fellowship and to be able to reflect together on the, the message that um, we pray our Lord gives to us tonight. Um, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it was all in the Lord. Please thank you so much. Uh, I wanted to uh, take a little time tonight to reflect on uh, a message that has been kind of building in my heart. And I think um, in the heart of our church, our parish, and our youth, and our congregation. Um, and that is, uh, as we journey through the Holy Week and the Passion Week, um, to shift our, our focus for just a bit um, to our own perspectives of the events and as they unfold um, to the perspective of our Lord Jesus Christ, the perspective of the Savior who is doing it all and has done it all and continues to do it all for us. Um, I wanted to just <laughs> say humbly, I'm, I'm in the presence of my mentors and, and my servants and I'm, I feel your blessing and thank you so much. Please pray for me, please. Um, so that's really what I wanted to explore tonight a little bit um, through your prayers and the blessing of the Holy Spirit. And I, I couldn't help but notice, obviously, the amazingly beautiful uh, portrait um, of our Lord's passion and uh, more specifically of, of what he's doing in the image. And I think it ties really well um, in the topic. So if I may respectfully, uh, just, just for the sake of titling it, um, say, through the eyes of the Messiah, um, the passion of our Savior for you and me. Um, when we look at our Savior here, um, the cross, which is known as the shame, which was the shame um, for, for all mankind until our Lord transformed the shame into glory, um, instead of our Lord pushing it away, instead of Him abandoning the cross, instead of Him considering it reproach, considering it a curse, you see Him embracing it wholeheartedly. Um, and although it's clear he's in deep agony, you still see his passion. You still see his love. You still see him embracing it as it is, as it is for us, as it is for the salvation of each and every one of us and the ones that he loves. Um, and I just think it was such a beautiful uh, reflection of exactly what our Lord came to do. Um, there's so much that happens in this Holy Week and throughout the year of the church, all the events, but particularly in Holy Week, um, that it's easy for me and, and, and maybe some of you to um, get caught up in the motions, per se, with respect, and to not forget, but to maybe veer just a little bit away from the focal point of what it's all about. And that's what it's about. It's about what He has done, what He did, what He has done, and what He continues to do in the sacrament of the cross and the Eucharist. Um, so I'd like to just uh, take a few moments to reflect on some of the events that have unfolded and those that are to come, and then we'll jump back into this specific topic. Um, as I was reflecting, and I, I did have a little bit of time on, on the road, and thank God I'm going to save me with redirecting me because <laughs> I was headed to a different church, but they're all wonderfully named Christ the Redeemer, Christ the Savior. So one way or another, I would have found our Savior, but, <laughs> but uh, thank God I made it. 
Um, your church is beautiful. It's beautiful with you. Um, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful work in progress. And, and through God's grace, may it continue to develop with uh, Abuna Joseph's uh, prayers and your prayers. So um, a blessed Pascha again, blessed passion, blessed um, offering of our Savior to each and every one of us. Um, I shared with you the theme first from the beginning Palm Sunday, right? Um, you know, I was talking with Monica yesterday. And I don't know why, I mean, in the years past, this was the first time that it hit me that, um, you know, the, uh, the festal hymn, the tune that we say on, you know, Palm Sunday is, um, is so quick. And, 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 it, and it comes quickly and it's gone. And I, and I wanted to continue chanting it instead of transitioning. Um, but I, just a little side note. But I think we can. And I think they're all together um, in one really completing, again, the mission of our Savior. So, first off, beginning with Palm Sunday, our Lord entered Jerusalem through the Sheep Gate. Just, if you would allow, just to kind of let these um, reflections, these thoughts, these truths sink into our minds tonight. Um, Our Lord Jesus Christ Himself entered into Jerusalem through the Sheep Gate, riding a colt. Not a donkey, a colt. I won't go into the reflections of the fathers with regards to the two differences between the donkeys. You've probably heard it. I want to shift gears a little bit. But nonetheless, he came in humbly, extremely humbly. He came in not on a horse, although he was a king. He didn't come in proclaiming himself. Um, I just We watched uh, the new Aladdin not too long ago. And, uh, and I don't mean to be silly, but... I couldn't help but notice, and this time around when I watched it, you know, the, the entry that uh, the genie puts forth for Aladdin was just extremely extravagant, and I was almost like blown away um, for a sultan, not even a real sultan, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just a normal guy like me, right, and you, and, but Jesus is the sultan of sultans. He's the king of kings, the lord of lords, right? Um, he's disguised, per se, with our mortality, but he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he did it out of love. He enters in through the sheep gate instead of the sheep to be examined, to be sacrificed. Yet the rightful and eternal King of the universe and our lowly heart, not only does he enter into Jerusalem, but he enters into each one of our hearts, right? The new Jerusalem. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is within you. So he's here to reign in our hearts. As he said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. We see also um, just a little reflection about the entry into Jerusalem. So we see that um, the fathers talk over and over again about the purging and the cleansing of the temple, right? Our Lord went into the temple and he turned the tables over. He showed godly anger and he displayed um, the divine justice because what was happening in the house of God wasn't right. It wasn't permitted. Um, but, but moreover, again, how do we connect this to ourselves, every one of these events as we're going through? And I might go off on tangents and just bring me back, please. But what I'm trying to say is, instead of us seeing it with our earthly eyes, let us see it with our spiritual eyes for the truth, for what it is. That when he entered into Jerusalem, he's entering into our hearts. When he's riding on the colt, he's riding upon us, the Gentiles. He is reigning upon us. We are laying down our lives at His feet for Him to reign in our hearts at the center. Um, 
We see today's events unfolding, um, the, the cursing of the fig tree. We've heard it many times, right, the hypocrisy, the leaves, the grandioseness of the leaves, and, and, and so much of that is, is true to me and who I am and, and maybe many of us, is that from the outward appearance, we look righteous, we look good before God, I mean, before men. But where am I before God? Do I have fruit when God comes and asks of me a service? Not just a physical service, but a service of worship, a sacrifice of love. Um, as I was driving in today, and, and it opened my eyes and reminded me of the valley and how much I've actually missed the valley to some extent. <laughs> but um, homeless people left and right in the encampments and I mean, there's a lot of different places throughout California that have it, right? But there's something about the valley and the way that they structure their homes, and it's almost like they're content. These wonderful individuals are content in their displacement and um, their dispositions. But I honestly think that might be partly my fault. I think that I watched as I drove down, what's this street here? What's this one here? Plumber. Plum, plumber? Plumber? I drove down, and about four blocks down, there was a man literally laying on the entryway to the, to the sidewalk, you know, the little up there. And he was laying there, and I thought the guy was, like, out cold. And uh, somebody, I watched people walking, and they, like, people are checking on him, you know, as I was driving. And um, he's like, I'm okay, he's just chilling, you know, just doing his thing. But what I'm trying to say is, um, I thought immediately of the Good Samaritan. And I thought in this day and age, um, are we the Good Samaritan? Are we Christ to these people? Are we taking a moment just to say, hey, are you okay? Do you need anything? I may not have a lot of money, but I can at least ask about someone. And that might mean the world to a person just to check in and say how they're doing. Um, sometimes even just a smile can change a person's perspective on their own life. Um, we see... Fast-forwarding just a little bit. Um, the fig trees, our Lord is teaching us, right, to offer repentance. Fruit worthy of repentance, right? Um, who likes figs? Fresh figs that are really ripe. They're amazing. Especially if they're grown in like an uh, Egyptian's backyard who really knows how to take care of them. They're amazing. Um, they're, they're, they're perfectly ripe and they're ready. They're ready to be satisfying. And, and to satiate a person. Um, and that's what we're called to be. Ripe fruit that is by patience and the word of God dwelling in us richly to be able to be given to others. Um, literally offering ourselves, right? Jesus said that unless uh, a grain of wheat falls and dies, it, can, it will always be alone, right? There will never be that exponential growth. And that's the church in the world. Um, we are so beyond blessed to be part of the Coptic Orthodox Church, the Coptic American Orthodox Church. We're so extremely blessed to be a part of this community. And I fear, as a small member of this wonderful community, that at times we have harbored and covered the light. Instead of putting it on a lampstand, we put it under a basket. I'm just saying generally speaking. Um, what a beautiful location of this church and so many other churches, our church in Rancho, kind of the, they call it the epic center of, of the area over there. I, don't, I can't remember a time that, that one of us maybe 
together collaboratively went out in the community and just welcomed people, letting them know about our church and what our Coptic or the Egyptian Christianity is and the faith of Christ. I mean, that's what the essence of our faith is, is what Christ did, we kept and we preach, right? That's what it is. Are we preaching it by our lives, as St. Augustine said, uh, as St. Francis of Assisi said, um, go and preach the gospel if necessary, use words. Are we being Christ's hands, his body to the people? Right? There's a, uh, a wonderful song I like. It says, if, if, I am, if I am the body, if I am his hands, why am I not using them, essentially? I'm paraphrasing. Why am I not using his body for good, for his, for his doing? And you are. All of us are in different ways. I'm just sharing these thoughts for myself as I journey through this Holy Week. We transition into one of my favorite institutions. Um, I bypassed Wednesday a little bit, but I, I wanted to talk a little bit about Covenant Thursday um, and just what an amazing day it is. What an amazing institution. What an amazing offering and display of number one, humility. Humility, the essence of humility. He, our Lord embodies humility. And He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Matthew eleven twenty nine. I think it's so beautiful when we just pause time, like in the movies, you know, or especially in the Marvel or DC, it's just everything pauses for a moment, and we get to see all angles of what's happening. And I feel like at times we need to do that while we're in church, just to pause everything. Even if... One side, and I think that's the beauty of the traditions of our church too, as Abuna had um, said, you know, we get that opportunity as one side is chanting and the other side is chanting and you can, you see people that bring books and they, they, there's this time where it's frozen. Time is literally of the essence, but it's also frozen. Um, when you're in the church and that's the mystery of the sacraments, right? It's above time. When we're here and we're chanting, the heavenly are united with the earthly, the fathers teach us. So grasp these moments and let us embrace every single moment, particularly when our Lord is washing the feet of His disciples. He said, I literally, He didn't just do it. He wanted to emphasize, I do this as an example so that you can follow in this example. What I have done, you do. And it wasn't just to the twelve or to the eleven. It wasn't. It wasn't just for a, a select or elect chosen. It's for all of us. It's for all of us to wash each other's feet. Thank God for our mother, the church, that continues this model for us every year. But every day we have an opportunity to wash each other's feet. If you're a student and you're in school, right? Right, kiddos, young people over there? If you're in school, you have an opportunity to wash each other's feet, just like Jesus did by maybe at home, helping with homework if your brother or sister is falling behind, or someone in school, right? Just doing something nice, right? For us who are in the workplace, how many of us have opportunities to just be a kind person without judgment, you know, without reservation, just to show the love of God to people? In doing that, they will see your good works and glorify your Father. I've gotten caught up so many times in my short life by talking a lot, and not doing enough. But God wants us to be doers of the Word and not just hearers, right? Like St. Paul said, the beautiful analogy says, it's like one who looks in the mirror and you see who you truly are, but you leave 
and you forget. We all forget. If we're too quick in the morning when we're starting our day, if we don't spend the quality time throughout the day, O oh my Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Keeping the dialogue with the Savior, if we fail to do this, every one of us is vulnerable and will become more susceptible to not, not temptations as much. And I say that with humility and I pray that God protects me, but not so much from the devil. It's from my own missed opportunities of being Christ to the world. That's the grave sin. I don't know. Do you, do you see what I'm trying to say? I get so fixated on making sure I don't fall back into that sin. Why don't I just give it to God and let Him handle that for me while I do His will? And that is where we will see God's glory in our lives and the lives of others around us. On Thursday we see, and the church in its wisdom allows us again to break the fast and have that communion once more, to be in that divine supper with the Lord and to partake of the body and blood again on Thursday. That's how important it is. That's how important living a life of the Eucharist, partaking of the holy body and blood. Pope Krollos, His Holiness, Saint Pope Krollos did it every day of his life. We know this, we hear it, we believe it because he realized the power you know, there was this silly meme I saw. And by no reason, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious or anything, Abuna, forgive me, but uh, it said the, a mosquito took blood, probably, took blood from a Christian and he went away yelling that there's power in the blood, the mosquito saying. So maybe not that funny, but I thought it was silly. But I, mean, I, I kind of cringed, but then I was like, oh, this is really... A... Imagine if the mosquitoes aren't saying there's power in the blood, but the people around us are saying there's power in the blood of Jesus. How many people realize who are not Coptic or of any of the other Oriental Orthodox churches or any Orthodox churches know the power of the communion that we have and that I take for granted at times and even take unworthily at times. It's just little tidbits that I'm trying to bring my attention to throughout this week and I want to share um, And of course, on Good Friday, Great Friday, there are no words to describe the greatness of what God has done for us, right? And John 3.16, I'm not trying to sound cliche or just to repeat something that I memorized since I was little, but I love for us to say it together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever may believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's real. It's truth. On Good Friday, every single Great Friday, every single Friday, every time we partake of the Eucharist, not just on Good Friday, we are receiving what He did for us anew. Given for the remission of sins. We're receiving it anew. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and, and I'm hoping, with your blessing, with your permission, we can just have maybe a little bit of input, a little bit of dialogue. The first question I wanted to just put out is what was our Lord's motivation for all of this? What is, what is His continued motivation for all of this? It's a question that I keep asking myself over and over again. I don't know why this year, particularly it's been itching on my heart. I just want to ask, what is His motivation? Because we know earlier when He was baptized, it says, 
sorry, in the, in the transfiguration on Mount Tabor, what he said, he said, Father, glorify me. What did he already say? He said, I have glorified you already. You were already glorified. Was it for his own glory? He was speaking of the cross, but what I'm trying to say is, was it for his own glory? What was his motivation? What is his continued motivation? What do you guys think? Share, please. What are your thoughts? I don't have an absolute answer, but I'm telling you from what I have observed, observed, and what I have felt, and what I have learned, this is what I think it is. But what do you think it is? When, when my daughters ask me, or your children ask you, or your brothers, why did Jesus die on the cross? What do we say? His love. His love. But what compelled Him? His love is the essence, exactly. The essence, the embodiment of, of the physical act and the spiritual act of what He's doing, you're right. But what compelled Him? If you turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. What does it say? Would you guys like to take a moment more? Anyone want to... Contribute, please, to the conversation. What compelled him? Or if you have it out already, read it, please, if you would. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll just read it. Looking unto Jesus. St. Paul is, is encouraging us to look to Jesus. The author, the one who started and the one who will finish and has finished our faith, who for the joy, look at this, this is, this is remarkable, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. For the joy. Just let that sink in for a moment. We talked a little bit about it, we touched on it in the beginning, but... Do we realize this? Do we grasp it? Joy compelled the Lord. You know, there's a, um, an Arabic saying, and usually the response is, usually, <laughs> and I've tired you, I, I, I've burdened you, and usually, have you heard this? Maybe you haven't heard it, but, but I used to hear it. Yani, especially the people who mean it, yani, it's coming from the heart. They tell you, Tabak Raha. Yani, it's my pleasure. Oh, somebody in English should tell you, it's my pleasure. Even if they literally, willingly, physically toiled and were burdened and took on themselves something greater than themselves, what do they say? It's my pleasure. Why? Love and it's a joy. It brought our Savior joy. And that, I think, is relatable. When you love someone so much, I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot in Arabic, forgive me. You will swallow rocks. It sounds terrible in English. but right? When you love someone so much, or someone cooks a meal and it's just not that good, but you still eat it, you know? Because you love them. And our Monica's not listening right now. Are you, I'm not, don't share this with anybody. <laughs> I have her picture here, so I do love her very much. But so what I want to say is, in our first year of marriage, like the first two months, we wanted to make lobster for the first time. So we got lobster, like we boiled, and it was creepy, and they like 
they make noise, you know, when you're boiling. It was like, I can't believe we're actually doing this. But so we got lobster, and she made lobster like enchiladas or something like crazy. It sounded amazing. I was so excited because I love enchiladas. But, <laughs> but she made them, and they were so spicy. I could not tolerate, like, I'm not a spicy food. She loves spicy food. But I think she put a little bit too much of her taste. But anyway, I ate it. And I tried not to say anything, even though I was like watering up and drinking as much as like a movie. I'm trying to drink as much as I could. But I was eating the rice. The rice helped a lot in the bread. <laughs> the tortilla, I mean. But, um, but do you get what I'm trying to say? But because of the love, I did it. And, and it, was, it was a joy. I appreciated so much the meal and the effort. Christ did it out of joy, out of pleasure, out of love. And I think it's a wonderful thing if each day of the Thotetigoms and the Kiryaleisons, and we get, at, I'm not going to lie, I'm a human. At some point, I get a little bit burnt out and tired. At some point in this week, I know it's going to hit me. And I might feel it, and I might start to feel like I'm zoning out, but I want to remind myself, He did so much more for me, and it was His pleasure, and it was His joy. And then we translate this, and we carry this over, not only into the joyous 50. We say the joyous 50 days, where we're not mourning. You know that song, there will be a day, right, with no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. It's from the Scripture, right? This day becomes a reality every day of our life. When we have Him within us, and we are living, it's no longer me, I saw on the little cards you were handing out for the readings, on the very bottom it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live now, is what? To be honest here. The life that I live now is what? It's on the card if someone can read it. Sorry. Where's my card? Basically, I live it for the Son of God, right? I live it for Him. I live it in Him, right? I really couldn't remember the exact words. But do you get what I'm trying to say here? It becomes a reciprocated effect, right? Reciprocation? Mathematics? <laughs> That's simple stuff, right? You guys are doing like uh, trigonometry and stuff right now. <laughs> We, 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 we take it and we give it back. We take it and we give it back. So what He's done to us, the joy He's shown us, the joy that He has shown to us, we show to others. Um, I really don't have too much more. That was uh, honestly the, the message that I felt I wanted to learn and I pray that we benefit. But... Um, I think in a nutshell, just to summarize, and I said this already, but I just want to reemphasize, two days have already gone by. It's already Tuesday. And actually, if you, when you go in the Coptic Reader or in the new, whatever, the new app now, when you go and it says the eve of, the, eve, the days are flying. And it's for, the, it, it's, it's for us, for the sake of the elect, as Jesus said, that the days will go quickly, the days. But at the same time, it's almost like, Stop, like I said earlier. Stop and enjoy each day for what it is and take each day for what it is and run with it and share the world. Share to the world. What did you, when the Lord came into the world, when He took flesh, what did the angels say? Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth and goodwill. This is, it's mind-blowing if we think about it, if we reflect on it. 
His entry into the flesh, into the world, the proclamation was what? This is for the world. And share it with the world. Share it with the world. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And traditionally, every day after, for the 50 days after the resurrection, we should proclaim wholeheartedly, Christ is risen. Indeed, He is risen. Christ is risen. Truly, He is risen. It will be only a word to me. Only a slogan. I was on Amazon and I was looking for a t-shirt to wear on Good Friday this, this year. And I saw and I was fascinated. Even Amazon now has t-shirts that say, Indeed, He is risen. Or, It is finished. Or, Truly, He is risen. I thought it was awesome. But then I saw, it's becoming just a slogan. When will it be a reality in my life? That people will see Christ is risen in you and me in our interaction with one another. For I was dead or I was blind, but now I see. All of the journey that we all the journey that we've taken throughout the Great Lent leading up to this amazing moment where we die with Christ and we rise with Him, so we can share it with the world. There are people who are hungry for Christ all around us, like I am hungry. And even a cup of water, not just physically. A good word in a far land is like a good cup of water to someone. We are, in, we are strangers in this world. Give someone a cup of water. I am the chief of sinners. I know that. I'm not worthy. But you know what? Empty yourselves and let God work in you. And let Him speak through you. And let them see your work and my work so He may be glorified. And glory be to God forever.